loves birthdays. I am the queen of birthdays. I love birthdays. But one thing that I've made my habit over the last number of years, because I've had a, a couple of birthdays in my life, is I've made it a habit leading up to my birthday to actually look back at the year that was, the high points and the low points, the, the joys and the challenges, the mountains and the valleys, and, and actually be grateful for all of it. Because I think, you know, sometimes we all love to live on that, that smooth sailing plane, hey? Is anyone in here who, who just, life just sails on, you never have to climb a mountain, you never face a challenge, nothing ever goes wrong. If you're in the room tonight, I would love to talk to you afterwards and find out what you are doing. But the truth is, if you've been alive for more than five minutes, challenges are a part of life. And I think we're really good at celebrating the good times because we like them, don't we? We take a moment, look at my life, it's awesome. You know, I bought a new car, I've got a new job, i got a pay rise. You know, we're, we're good at that. But we're not so good at celebrating the challenges. And I think we should. I think we should. Because in my life, as I look back, it's the challenges that have actually made me grow. The good times I just enjoy, but the challenges, the trials, the mountains that I have to climb, when I get to the top, I've grown. I'm different. My capacity is expanded. Sometimes my perspective is better. And I, I think we need to get better at facing the challenges, the mountains in life, navigating the journey, not being happy when we're up here and sad when we're in the valley, but actually being able to navigate life well. What do you reckon? Nobody likes the valley. You know, the valley's dark. It's usually damp. It's dark. Sometimes you can't see in front of you. Sometimes valleys are short. Sometimes challenges are short. Sometimes you think they're never going to end. And the ridiculous thing about life is that you can be on the mountaintop in one area of your life and right smack bang in the middle of the dark valley in another area of your life at the same time. So we have to learn how to navigate these things well. But we'll all face valleys in our life. Okay. And they can come out of nowhere, valleys. You can be, who's noticed that? It's like you're walking along, it's great, and all of a sudden, bang, you're in the middle of a valley. And sometimes it's because of poor decisions we've made. Sometimes it just happens. Stuff just happens, and it's out of our control. So this is why we need to learn to navigate them well. John 16.33 says, I have told you this, I have told you all of this, so that you may have peace with me here on earth, You will have many trials and sorrows, praise the Lord, many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You know, sometimes we get to the point where it's like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Why is this always happening to me? Well, I would suggest if you're not making poor decisions and it's just happening to you, that you are just encountering various trials, but you should take heart because God has overcome the world. Now, Because I've been on the planet a fairly long time now, I could share with you a multitude of trials, of mountains, of valleys that I've had to climb. And I don't consider myself to have had a particularly difficult life compared to some people in the room tonight. 
But I do know what it is to be offended. I know what that feels like. I've been there. I do know what it's like to be to feel betrayed by people who are close to you. I do know what it's like to lose three parents and a close friend and an uncle in 18 months. That was a bad year, that one. I know what it's like to watch loved ones ravaged by cancer and to watch someone you dearly love make life-altering decisions for not great things. So I do know what that's like. And so tonight, really quickly, I want to share with you a few of the things that I've learned that have helped me navigate the valleys and climb the mountains so that we can navigate seasons of trial, seasons of crisis, the valleys in life, and come out with a sweet spirit, expanded, growing, and moving on on the other side. Is that okay? Great. The first thing is this. You're going to love this one. Pain has a process. Oh, pain has a process. Ephesians 3 verse 1 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. When we're in pain... We want it to be over as soon. I don't think there's anybody in here that goes, yay, I'm in pain. I hope it lasts forever. We just want it to be over. When we're in pain, we want it to be over. We just like to go to bed and wake up and realize it was just a crazy nightmare. Wouldn't that be good when you're in a season of pain, when you're in a valley season? It's like, if I could just go to bed and wake up, it would be all okay. Well, that would be awesome, but it doesn't happen. Pain just doesn't go away sometimes. It takes time. There's a process to it. And the Bible talks quite often about the process of time. See, we don't like those scriptures, do we? The process of time, unless it's the process of time until I get the the bucket at the end of the rainbow filled with gold. No, we don't like the process of time when it means that we are eking out something in our life that is painful. Time has a process But we often want to fast track the process. But there's a purpose in the process. Sometimes we can be in the middle of a valley season and you can look at it and I've been there and I think, I cannot see anything good coming out of this. I cannot see any point to why I'm going through this in my life right now. I cannot work this out. You know, that's okay. That's okay. It's amazing how God, when I look back at my life in the seasons of pain, in the valleys of life, how if I look back at my life, I can see how God has used that situation to build something in my life, to change my perspective on something, maybe just to wake me up at times because I've gone to sleep while I'm just going through life. But God has always been able to bring something great into my life out of a season, out of a valley season. There are things to be learned in the process. We learn things about ourselves. You know, we can think, I'm pretty tough. I'm pretty good at this. I'm pretty good at life. I'm pretty capable. And then we get into a valley season and we go, okay, not so much. Not so much. Not so good. Not so patient as I thought I would be. We learn things about others. And most importantly, we learn things about the love and the grace and the mercy of God when we're in a valley season. And so one thing I've determined to do in a season of pain and crisis and valley is to pray that I learn everything that I need to learn while I'm in that particular valley so I don't circle the mountain and go back through it. Because sometimes when we fast track, when we try to, when we scramble out a track that isn't actually for us and we push it all away, I think you would call that denial, and we just move on, God has this amazing way of going, 
well, hang on, you didn't really go through that. You actually have to come around and go through again. So one of the things I've learned is I will stay in the process until the time is finished. Here's an example of this. Now, when you look at Pastor Chris and I, we, you know, we look like the perfect couple. And people often say, and I've shared this before, people often say, well, he's shared this before. This is my point of view. People often say, watch out. You know, you just, you know, you obviously met, fell in love. Well, that's true. And then got married and everything was all right. And that is true. There was just a two-year period in the middle there where we got engaged, broke up, stayed in the same church, which was, much, which was this church, and was much smaller. And we came to church every Sunday and we were that couple. You know that couple? One week we came, we sat together. The next week we came, we sat on opposite sides of the building. Now, that is embarrassing. And that is difficult. And that is hard to navigate. Surely he could have found another church. I found this one first. But no, we stayed here and worked it out. We went through the valley and it was hard. It was two years. It wasn't two minutes. It wasn't two days. It wasn't two weeks. It wasn't two months. It was two years. Two years. We did that for two years. We had to work out whether we wanted to be together. One of us knew. One of us wasn't so sure. You can work that out for yourself. Um, we had to work that out and it was hard and it was heartbreaking and people were sick of listening to me. Anybody who's been in a season that lasts more than five minutes, did you just say yes? As in you were agreeing with me, right. Anybody who's been in a... He's really bad on the front row, isn't he? Anybody who's been in a season of trial or a valley that's taken a while, people love you, they want to walk with you, but they get sick of listening to you. So what happened for me was that I had to totally rely on God because I'm a verbal processor. I think I talked God's ear off in that two years. I'm a verbal processor. I need to verbalise. And so I would put on a happy face and it wasn't denial. It was just survival every day for two years. And I would go home at night and I would put my head on the pillow and I would say, God, I have no idea what you're doing. If I had my way, you could run him over with a bus. That would work for me. He's going to heaven. No one's going to miss him. They all hate him anyway. So, you know, take him out, God, and let me move on with my life. I know none of you would do that because you're all so beautiful. And this, is a, this was a long time ago, right? But what it, and, and I would pray, God, you know, and I got to the point, it took quite a while, I'd like to say, where I just had to say to God, I have no idea what you're doing. None but I trust you. I trust you that if it's going to work out, it's going to be awesome. And if it's not going to be work out, it's going to be even more awesome. So I'm just going to trust every day. And I had to do it every day. Sometimes I had to do it more than once a day, but I determined to trust God. And when I look back at that particular season in my life, I learned how to trust God in a way that I'd never learned to trust Him before. And when I look back on that season in life, I know that I could never have done the years that followed if I hadn't gone through that season. Because before that season, I relied on Chris. I relied on his faith. I relied on his ability to hear from God. I relied on his ability to direct me. And all of a sudden, I didn't have it and I had to get it for myself. 
But who knows, that process birthed in me a strength and an ability to trust God that enabled me to do this season of my life in a whole different way. So don't try and avoid the process. Stay in the process until God has completed the work he's doing in you. Pain has a process. There's a process in the valley. Number two, try to respond and not react. This is really important. Proverbs 1, Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. James 1.19 and 20 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good at reacting. If you poke me, I'm pretty good at reacting. If I'm in pain, I'm pretty good at reacting. You know, you're in pain and someone pokes on that area and you don't go, oh, that's lovely. Thank you. You go, get out of my face. No. That's not what I'm saying to do. What I'm saying to do is you should respond. It's our natural instinct to react, to protect, to defend. But when we react, our emotions take centre stage, right? Our emotions are not very dependable things to put on centre stage, right? Because, you know, one day I can feel very happy. And the next day, I can feel very sad and nothing's actually changed because our emotions are a bit like this. Sometimes they get unbalanced. Sometimes they get out of whack. So we can't build on our emotions, on our reactions, because they drive us to lose control. They drive us to say things. Now, nobody in this room would have experienced this, I'm sure, except me. So I'm going to be very honest. They drive us to say things that we would never say normally, that we walk away and we say things like, oh my goodness, I don't know where that came from. Well, actually, it came out of your mouth and it came out of your heart because you're letting your emotions drive you and it doesn't help the situation and it certainly doesn't help you to grow. Responding, on the other hand, is different. It's less guided by our emotions and more by logic and thought. So this is how it works. Something happens. I stop. I think about it. I choose my words. I take a deep breath and then I answer. Because that is responding. I'm thinking about, okay, how do I feel about this? How do I want to respond to this? What do I want to say? You can actually change the direction of an interaction by the way that you respond. You have to stop and think before you respond. And then you're less likely to say something you regret when you stop and think about it and consider the feelings of the other person and actually how you're going to feel when you walk away. A long time ago, when we first came to this church, um, we, there was one particular senior pastor and then another senior pastor came in and took over. Now, the The second senior pastor was the most gracious, the most loving, the most beautiful man that I think I've ever encountered. And he actually changed the way I looked at the way we do church life on a whole level. But when he first came, he was such a contrast to the pastor that we'd had before that Chris and I, in all our wisdom of being married for five minutes, decided that we needed to have him for dinner to tell him everything he was doing wrong. Please don't ever do that. It's really not very good. It's not very helpful. 
So we, we had this poor man to dinner while his wife was away, because that would be good too, uh, after a Sunday night. And we, in all our wisdom at 26 years of age and having been in the church for five minutes, told him everything that we thought he was doing wrong. Now, he wasn't actually doing anything wrong, just so you know, it was just different. And we were just rigid and stiff-necked and couldn't see the picture. But what I do remember about that night, when I think about it, is not so much what we said, but how he responded. And I remember him saying very clearly, hey, would you just let me take a moment to talk to you about the way I see the church and the way I feel about the church and why I do the things that I do. I'd love you to just take a moment. And and you might not agree with me at the end, and that's okay, but could I just take a moment? And he spent the next hour probably unpacking his heart for the church and for the community. And I don't remember anything he said, but I do remember it changed me forever. And I do remember thinking, wow, that could have gone so, so differently if he had been hard or harsh, we would not be doing. That man put us into ministry. After that, gosh, that man, you know, our whole life changed in that moment because he chose to respond when he had every right to react. So one thing I've always tried to remember is this. My response is my responsibility. My response is my responsibility. I can't control how you respond. I can't control whether you respond or react, but I am always able to control how I do and I will always respond. I have total control over my response. And just because you respond well doesn't mean you'll get through the valley any quicker, but you will get through happier. And you will get out the other side feeling better about yourself with less regrets about the things that you said that you shouldn't have said because you were angry. So let's remember In a season of valley, try to respond and not react. Number three, beware of isolation. I think when we're in a trial, when we're in a valley, we tend to isolate. We tend to go, this is not fair. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to huddle down and I'm going to wait for it all to be over. I'm going to pull the blankets over my head and I'm just going to wait till it's over. About 11 years ago now, my phone rang at 4am and my mum had found my dad collapsed by the side of the bed and he was unconscious and the ambulance was on its way on its way and he'd suffered a massive stroke and he never regained consciousness and it was really sudden and he hadn't been sick and we'd only celebrated his birthday two weeks beforehand and I had to call Chris and I had to tell him and I had we had to tell the children and we had to make arrangements and we had to look after my mum And to be perfectly honest, all I wanted to do was go home, go to bed and pull the covers over my head and just see nobody because I was sad. Isolated in a little cocoon of grief. But the following day, I got up and I came to the office. Why? One, I really hate to be by myself, so I'm not really good at isolation. But two, because I knew I needed to be with people. I knew I needed to be with people. Even though all I wanted to do was be alone... Because I didn't want to face people's sympathy. I didn't want to find myself vulnerable in front of them. But I came in because, one, I knew those people really loved me. And I knew I needed to be with people to help me. Because that's why, you know, this whole year is about better together. Sometimes on our worst day, we avoid the people that love us the most. On our worst day, we stay away from church on a Sunday because we feel bad, which is crazy because everyone here is cheering you on. 
Everyone here is wanting to walk with you. Everyone here is wanting to show you love and affection and, and empathy and all the things that they, and grace and help you. But we stay away on our worst day. We isolate and it's a trap. On your worst day, you need to not isolate. You need to find people to walk with you. Because when you are in the midst of crisis or pain, it can be so tempting to do it till you feel better. Can I say that you will feel better quicker if you will allow people to walk with you on the journey and not isolate? The Bible says that um, a fool isolates himself and rages against all wisdom. A fool isolates himself and rages against all wisdom. I believe we're better together. I believe that God created us to lean on each other and walk side by side. Psalm 142, 6 and 7 says, Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I might praise your name. The righteous shall surround me. For you shall deal bountifully with me. We need to not lean on our own judgment, not lean on isolation, but allow people, God's people, to walk with us. We get mad with God when we're in pain. I don't like being in pain. Does anybody like being in pain? I don't like being in pain. He could make it different, couldn't he, if he really wanted to? He could wave his little magic God wand and take it all away. But we need to trust him and not isolate ourselves from him. I've shaken my fist at heaven many times. Did it make God mad? No, because he understood that I just didn't understand. And the the enemy of our soul would love nothing better for us to turn from the ones who can really understand us, to turn from the one who can really comfort us, to drive a wedge in and say it's not fair and I should just turn away. But we know better, don't we? No better. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who willfully separates and estranges himself from God and man seeks his own desire and pretext to break out against all wise and sound judgment. If you are in pain, if you are in a valley, don't stay away. Don't stay away from life group. Don't stay away from people who can actually walk with you because they are there to help you. Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Be determined in the midst of a valley to not walk alone, but to walk with people who can speak encouragement to you, who can show you God's grace. You should listen to the message from this morning about seeing God in others and allow people to be the people that God has placed alongside us. Don't isolate yourself. Number four, we're going to race. Focus on the good things. Do you know, in the midst of a bad season, there is always something good. There is always something good. If you woke up alive, it's good. It's a good day if you woke up alive. Pain can be overwhelming. Valleys can be overwhelming. I remember uh, many years ago now when we had teenagers in our house, we had a particularly difficult one, and I'm not going to tell you which one that was. We had a particularly difficult one who was making poor life choices, and it was difficult, and it was hard, and it was heart-wrenching as a parent to watch that. And every day of my life, I was in pain as I watched this person that I loved make terrible decisions and watch their life go in a terrible direction and watch them live in the consequences of the poor decisions they were making. At the same time, another member of our family 
was getting engaged and married. Okay, now I've <coughs> told you it was. Um, was getting engaged and married, which was so amazing and good and fantastic and worth celebrating. And I'm managing these two extreme situations, two extreme emotions. And I'd have to say, I had this moment of revelation because even though this was really painful and really hard, this was amazing and I didn't want to miss it. And I was in the middle going like this. And then I had this revelation one day as I was driving down the street and I thought, you know, life is a bit like a diamond, isn't it, when you look at it? It's got many facets. There's a lot of things going on in life all at the same time, right? There's a lot of things going on in life. Nobody in here is just experiencing one thing. There are so many things. There's family dynamics, there's work dynamics, there's health dynamics, there's financial dynamics, there's education, there's all these decisions that we have to make. There are so many facets to the diamond. And what I had a revelation of was I was only looking at one. And it was a little bit cloudy and it needed polishing, and it needed some work. And so I was so concentrating on polishing this one facet of the diamond that I was missing all the others. And all the others were amazing, but I just was so determined to just focus on the one. More often than not, although the crisis and pain and the valley can be huge, there are other great things going on in our life. The sun still comes up in the morning. The birds still sing, regardless. Life goes on around us. We have friends and family that love us and milestones to celebrate. As incongruous as it may seem, we have to be able to focus on the good things. Now, I don't mean going to denial and, and, and not work through the things that aren't working, but maybe not make them your focus. Maybe trust God with them and allow yourself to be happy with the things that are going well. Sometimes we're so hard on ourselves because one thing isn't working when everything else is amazing. And so can I encourage you, focus on the good things. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Understand that there are so many facets in our lives and be determined not to let one that maybe isn't looking as great as the rest to overtake all the others and be the focus. Take time to ponder and reflect on the good things, even in the bad times. Final thought, trust God. Trust God. When you're in a valley, trust God. When it's challenging, trust God. When you can't see the way forward, trust God. When you're in pain and you don't understand why, trust God. He's got your back. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. I've seen Him do it time and time and time and time again in every one of those circumstances that I've shared with you tonight. He can even cause the most distressing circumstances and situations to turn out well because we trust Him. He knows us better than anybody else. Psalm 37, 23 and 24 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope 
and a future. If I could leave you with just one thought, if you're in a valley season tonight, one thought, trust God. Trust God. He knows you better than anybody else. He knows the way through. He's gone before you. He understands where you're at. He understands what you need to grow in to get to where you need to go to. The one thought you need to remember is I need to trust God. I need to trust God tonight. You know, and what does that look like? This is what it looks like for me. I'm often in my car when I'm when I pray and I'm driving and things begin to overwhelm me or in the shower, the shower or the car, it's kind of weird. And I have to stop myself, you know, or lying in bed at night and your mind is racing about all the things that aren't working, the things that you need to fix, the things that are pressing down on you and I have I stop myself and I go, I am I'm going to trust God. I'm going to take this thing that I'm thinking about, this thing that I'm worried about, and I'm going to remove it and I'm going to give it to God. Sometimes I visualize myself putting it down, saying, God, I don't know how to get through this, but I know you do and I'm determined to trust you. And I've got to tell you this, at 55 years of age, he has never let me down. Sometimes it's taken longer than I thought it should. Sometimes it's been harder than I had hoped for. But He has never let me down. And when I look back at my life, trusting Him is the best thing I've ever done. So I wonder whether you'd stand with me tonight. Let's stand. I'd really like to pray for you tonight. Now, I don't know everyone in the room, but I know just by just knowing that there are people here right now that are in a valley season that are in a painful season that are in a season that they don't really know how to get out of it might be with your health it might be with your finances it might be a situation at school or at uni or at work that you just don't know how to walk through it could be a family relationship but it's painful and it's overwhelming and you don't know where to go I'd love to pray with you tonight so I wonder if you would be brave enough to just raise your hand where you're sitting and I'd love to pray for you tonight. Nobody's in pain tonight. Golly, what a waste of a message, huh? Yeah, there's some. I knew there is. I mean, you can take it home with you or you can let me pray. I'd love to pray with you. God is here tonight to touch and change things. God is here tonight to meet you where you're at. God is here to encourage you in the deepest place of your soul and help you to take the next step. Lord, I just thank you tonight for those who have been brave enough to raise their hand and say, that's me. And Lord, I just thank you. I thank you in this place tonight for meeting each precious person who's raised their hand right where they're at. Lord, I pray that you would bring encouragement, that you would bring comfort. Lord, that you would just bring a sense of everything being okay. Lord, I just, I pray, Lord, that you would just bring perseverance that, Lord, you would bring a spirit of strength into their, into their soul as they take one step after the other. I thank you, Lord, for each person who's raised their hand. Lord, I thank you that they're going to walk through this. I thank you, Lord, that in this time you're going to expand them, that you are going to speak life into them, that they are going to come out the other side of this different but in a great way. And I just thank you for making a way where there seems to be no way. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Hey. While we're standing tonight, I just want to give one more appeal. And that is you might be here tonight and you might not call yourself a Christian. You might have been brought along by someone. Maybe you've walked with God previously, but you wouldn't say that you currently are. And that's totally okay. 
But I wonder tonight, I wanted to give an opportunity because, you know, God, as I've talked, I've talked about trusting God. I've talked about how to do that. I've talked about God being for you. You know, God created us to live in relationship with Him. That's why He created us, to live in relationship with Him. He created us to know the plans and purposes that He has for our lives. He created us with infinite possibilities for our lives. And tonight, maybe you don't feel connected to God in that way. And I would love to give us the opportunity to do that. So I wonder if you would mind just one more time, bowing your heads, closing your eyes. And if that's you tonight, if you go, I'm really on a journey with this and I would really like to know God. I would really like to know His plans and purposes. I'd really like to be able to trust Him. I'd really like to be able to start this journey with Him. I wonder if you would be courageous enough to just raise your hand right where you're at. No one's looking around. I'm just going to get you to raise your hand. Thank you. That's awesome. And then we're going to pray all together. And then um, Matt's going to come and give you some instructions. That's awesome. I see that hand. Anybody else? This is life-changing for me. This changed my entire life. I'm not going to labour it because we're out of time. But I do want to give it a moment because I don't want you to miss it. This will change your life. This will change the way you do life, the way you see life. This is amazing. So one more moment as I look across. That's fantastic. Why don't we just take a moment to celebrate those that have raised their hand tonight to meet Jesus. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one who is lost is found. And so we think that's amazing. And we're going to champion you tonight, those of you that have made a decision. We're going to pray together this prayer. And we're going to pray it all together with those who have made a decision tonight. You ready, church? Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. Thanks, Matt.